0: everyone, welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. I'm your host, Joe Chu, along with my co-host, Brian McNutt. We want to welcome today, Toby Rush, founder of Redeem. Toby, welcome onto the podcast.
1: Hey guys, great to be here. Excited to have a little conversation.
0: Definitely. We want to hear so much about what you're doing, because you have a very big mission. Can you tell us a little bit before we jump into Redeem, a little bit about your background, how you got into Web3 space?
1: Yeah, no, you know, I, serial entrepreneur, this is actually my third company from scratch, which means I like pain uh, because I keep doing the zero to one, which is super hard and super iterative, uh, a lot of unknowns. But I just, I love product. I love teams. Uh, typically, all of my companies have been pretty advanced technologies, but all around simplicity and convenience. Right? As my first company, we put technology on forklifts and we let forklift drivers be race car drivers. So we did all the data collection. They literally could drive as fast as they wanted. The second company, I came across a professor doing an eye-based biometric. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, we could use these brand new selfie cameras. This is 2011. These selfie cameras on smartphones and do biometrics. Like, we could like, get rid of the password. And everybody's like, why would anyone do biometrics on smartphones? That's crazy. Um, I was like, I don't know. This kind of feels like a pretty obvious use case. I can just look at my phone. And we got lucky. We started that company uh, called iVerify in 2012. Apple came out with Touch ID in 13, and then Apple Pay in 14. And we ended up with Wells Fargo, Citigroup, RSA Security, um, 60 banks in production using a little i eye-based biometric and ended up selling that one to Alibaba. Um, where I ran payments, uh, I, ran, I ran the biometrics group for payments. So, uh, Alipay was our big wallet. And so, you know, we ended up with 700 million users, like, so really, really big scale. Um, I spent a ton of time in China, India, Indonesia. And what was fascinating about that experience, which really informed kind of what I'm doing now is, um, you know, payments, of course, is highly secure. You've got to have a lot of kind of end infrastructure, but their target were people who may have never had any kind of online payment before. Right. So these were small mom-and-pop businesses. They were um, literally you know, it's uh, Jane and Joe off, the, off Main Street, um, wanting to engage in digital commerce of various kinds. And so convenience had to be great, super simple, really uh, not technical, but highly secure on the back end. Um, and so while I was with uh, Alibaba, they asked me to move over to their investments team. And as I was on the investments team, my specific focus was blockchain. Well, when you're in China and you're focused on blockchain, there is no cryptocurrencies and there are no crypto kitties, right? So it's what are the hardcore business use cases that blockchain makes things better, faster, cheaper, stronger, and you know, whatever that is. And so my lens has always been around kind of utility, ease of use, uh, you know, things of just really practical, boring use cases around <laughs> blockchain. Um, so as I went back to start building um, about a year and a half ago, Uh, Really, that was the lens of like, hey, how do we make this easier, faster, cheaper? Um, So it really wasn't so much cryptocurrencies and it was definitely NFTs, but not speculative purchasing and selling and buying assets
0: as a collector, but how NFTs can impact the real world. Wow, that's uh, uh, you have pretty expensive background there and definitely a lot of experience to lead the masses into hopefully adopting this technology, which is a good segue, like that's, that's a big problem, right? A lot of users don't know the hurdles to getting into Web3. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us, give us a small peek of how that technology actually works?
1: Yeah, so how, how does kind of Redeem work? Yes. Um, yeah. So if you took a step back, so again, keep in mind a lot of my perspective and, and kind of worldview around this was heavily influenced around mobile, right? So I've been working with mobile technologies for you know, the better part of 20 years. And as I was in Asia, like everything is mobile. It's not like mobile first, it's mobile only. Right, and so we're really, really deep into kind of how mobile can be used for everything. As I began thinking about all these interesting use cases with NFTs, right? So when when a little piece of data can live in an open ecosystem, and like an open ecosystem is not behind Google, Apple, Meta, Ticketmaster, kind of the government's firewalls, but yet how does data live in an open ecosystem yet maintain trust? Well, that is exactly what an NFT is, right? It's like, hey, we can do so much. Around certificates, credentials, ticketing, loyalty, uh, a title, a policy, all these things that an individual would want to own and be able to prove ownership to give an unlock of whatever that might be. Well, to do this, you got to be really secure because I can't call up Google and say, Hey, I lost my password. Can you log me into my Google account? Right. But at the same time, if you want mass market, it's got to be stupid easy. Right. And so we had this kind of conundrum between security and convenience that uh, we're we're really at odds with each other. Right. And so you see the you know, the 12, 12 phrase passwords and just lots of complexity and a lot of extra hardware. And so the aha that we had is like, you know, we've got a really, really secure piece of hardware in our phone. In our pocket, It's called our phone, right? And this phone happens to have a globally unique number tied very, very tightly to the SIM card on this phone, right? And so you think your phone number, it is the only global directory system the entire world has opted into voluntarily, hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and it kind of feels like mine. I can go from carrier to carrier to carrier. Um, it's not Google's phone number. It's not even ATT or Verizon's phone number because I can take it with me. Right? So it kind of feels like my number, which I can now, as a company, I can call and uh, API and say, Hey, give me a SIM verification of this phone number is active on this device right now. Right. But then these devices also have a biometric where a consumer can bind themselves to the phone. Right, Really convenient touch ID, face ID, yep. whatever that local biometrics are. Um, and then we can wrap it in a really easy authentication framework called OAuth or, or a social login. Right, So instead of log in with Google or Facebook or Apple, quite literally, we let you log in with your phone. Right? And so what we've done is we've transformed your phone into a key that unlocks the digital world while keeping it incredibly secure.
2: Yeah, that sounds that sounds wonderful. I mean, just any way that you can, you know, ease the use of onboarding the masses and just making it easier without like a clunky crypto interface or these uh, decentralized wallets where it's 12, 24 keywords, don't lose it. uh, It it becomes challenging. I always my hope for like Web3 is that we'll be treating a lot of these decentralized wallets Sim, or login similar as we would like a phone number or an email, really mm-hmm. like what you're building. But my one of my biggest questions for you was just like overall the security and how that works and how mm-hmm. how we can make sure the digital assets are secure, our crypto secure, if it's tickets, whatever that is. Just because you hear about so many different scams over phones and email, how how's yours different?
1: yeah, it's a great question. So um, a lot of the scams with both email and phone scams come when someone sends you a code or sends you a password mm-hmm. that then gives somebody else access to that uh, the application. So with what we're doing, there is no password. right? And frankly, there isn't really a username that's independent of this. So knowing my phone number doesn't do you any good, right? Because that phone number must be verified with the SIM card in the hardware that's in my mm-hmm. hands that I can then connect to the carrier to say, yep, does this piece of hardware? Have this unique identifier tied to it right now, right? So the idea of we're not sending out an SMS one-time password or an OTP, um, you know, not we're not relying on I'm going to send you a link in your email, right? Because any kind of account takeover that breaks down immediately, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so the idea is we're not asking the user to give me anything that I have to simply trust. Like, this is the ultimate trustless environment. Um, I am, I guess, trusting AT and or Verizon T Mobile that they're only going to allow their phone onto their network. But again, they've spent many billions of dollars, making sure that only this particular SIM card with that phone number can access the network. Right. So there's, there's a little bit of trust, that's a that's a place that again, as a as an entrepreneur, I think that's probably the right balance of um, decentralization yet kind of a trustless type of environment. Right. So if you have your phone, you have your key. A question we often get that many of the listeners may be thinking like, yeah, but what about a sim swap? Okay. Okay. So a sim swap is when um, you know, I go like no 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 my name my name is really uh, it's Brian um, I lost my phone you, I go into Verizon and say hey give me my phone back I lost it. this is an emergency here's my documentation hurry 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 and someone says oh he, oh sure here's a new phone and they activate um, you know your phone number but it's really me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right that's called a SIM swap. Right. Well, um, we do basically a really simple thing. If you try to then reaccess, kind of through our platform, any of the wallets, any of the applications, we say, "Hey, wait a second! If you have to do two things. You have to send us a. a, a we do we do the, the carrier validation, but that's going to pass because you just got a phone with someone else's phone number. So if you've onboarded one time and we see you bring on a new phone, we have a really simple six digit recovery pin, right? And the only time you have to enter a six digit recovery pin is a brand new phone. Um, and so that really the, the SIM swaps go away. Um, you also have a really short window. If someone does a SIM swap, um, you've got hours at most, right? Or at least if, you, if it's at night you, when you wake up in the morning and your phone doesn't work, the first thing you're doing is you're calling in and is like, whoa, hang on. What happened to my phone? Right? It's also in the carrier's interest of SIM swaps are bad. They're mm-hmm. bad, bad, bad. Like they're just, they're horrible. And so they are spending hundreds of millions of dollars globally, making it very difficult to do SIM swaps. Right. So we think that window is going to get harder and harder and harder, even when it does happen. And it does happen. We have a really simple counter to that. of Hey, what's your six digit recovery pin? You can't onboard. Um, even though you sit, we can do a carrier API validation, um, you don't have your pin. Makes
0: sense.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. And on biometrics, what is the intricacies of that? And I just asked this because mm-hmm. I'm in the Bay and I see an AI billboard every other block here. <laughs> How far are we from? You know, AI cracking that code or with biometrics, that's not possible with AI.
1: It's really, really hard.
0: Um, And there again,
1: you're trusting Apple and Google and others. And so we're not saying we're sending your biometrics off to some server and you're trusting some random. But keep in mind, like, I've ran very, very large identity platforms. Like when uh, my, my previous company was acquired by Alibaba, like we had crazy levels of security and biometrics, and it is wicked hard, right? So what really we're doing is like we're relying on Apple and Google. To do that locally for you, right? If somebody hacks that, there are lots of problems. Right? So if someone can grab your phone and 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 fake biometric, that is an incredibly difficult problem. And to some degree, yes, I'm trusting Apple and Google to do a good job on the hardware to make that incredibly difficult.
2: What what are what are some of the challenges of mass adoption? You know that were in the early stages of Web three and crypto. What's the path look like there?
1: You know, I, I think early on the uh, the, the, the challenge was user experience is very hard, yeah. right? It was not just a new user behavior. It was a new user paradigm, right? Because the idea of, you know, there was in, in entrepreneurship world, like user behaviors. yeah, User behavior change is hard. Try to never make your users really change behavior in a significant way um, just because it's crazy hard. We're creatures of habit. <laughs> Web3 blockchain crypto is not only a behavior change, it was a mental paradigm. Yeah. Like, what do you mean I own my own keys? Like, what do you mean I own my own assets? I don't get it. And like, what do you mean don't share this? Like, it was, it was just a very, very difficult world for people to wrap their heads around. Um, and so I think it was hard, right? Because even the way you logged in, like okay, I've got a connect wallet. And why do I keep signing this thing? when it tells me to keep signing? Like, this, is, this isn't anything I'm used to, I'm experienced. I think early on, um, those are many of the challenges. Um, I think that is starting to go away. I think the bigger challenge is now is there are not very many compelling use cases. Right? We need more compelling use cases that aren't speculative NFT purchases and sells and isn't just trading cryptocurrencies, right? So those are real things. But if you want to get to the masses, most people aren't trading penny stocks. Yeah. They don't have time for it, right? And, but I, I don't think trading crypto is the mass market appeal. I don't think buying and selling NFTs is mass market appeal. Most people don't buy and sell collectibles. They can but that's just not really interesting. So I do think it's when you get to NFT-powered experiences, whether it's loyalty or brands or ticketing, musicians, um, it is, it's things like your insurance policy, it's your academic credentials, mm-hmm. it's your certificates, it's all of your titles to, I, I own a house, I own a car, I own a thing, and I want a digital representation at the Prove Ownership, which gives me something else. Like Those are really, really interesting use cases, um, but there aren't that many of them yet. So uh, I think early on, it was very much... Mental model shifts, user behavior change, and really a challenging user experience. I think we've done a much better job on user experience, which reduces the mental model shift. Like, you don't have to understand um, how crypto works with some of the really cool account abstraction and the new wallets. You don't have to go mm-hmm. buy, uh, you know, I don't have to go buy ETH before I can actually access the, the application. Right. So, a lot of those things are, are getting fixed. I think the industry needs to focus on the moment is more compelling use cases.
0: Absolutely. The use cases that is shown as examples on your website is the most compelling, simplistic I've ever seen. Yeah. Something I imagined when I first started with NFT. So I encourage anyone to visit the Redeem website for that. Uh, the visuals are amazing. And I do have a use case yeah. question for you, more of an idealistic yeah. uh, use case in, in that I would like to see. And just one example that you showed on your website is just how frictionless it can be when you have mm-hmm. uh, entities that is easy to, you know, uh, cross interact with uh, QR codes or loyalty rewards programs. To your point, all the way up to redemption, and I see it even more idealistic than that. Where you don't have to take out a phone. Uh, what do you know when mm-hmm. and if they can just scan us? You know, with RFID uh, and verify our NFTs and walk through queues, walk through queues, right? Sports, music, airports, yeah. whatnot. How, how far are we from that, or am I just never going to see that happen? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, it is far harder than you think, right? So actually, one of the projects that I led um, when I was with Alibaba is actually called Smile to Pay, where you could walk up to a oh. terminal um, and you literally, you didn't ask you to have to smile, but we, we called it Smile to Pay because when people did it, they, they, they smiled. And when you smile, you feel good. Like it's this weird psychological thing. Like your your brain really does respond to your body. So we called it Smile to Pay. And so you smiled and it would link to the Alipay account and make a payment. These kind of a kind of a, a cashierless checkout process, right? Um, now the hard part is there are 1.4 billion people in China. How do I know who is walking up to that terminal right now by just looking at their face? That's actually a pretty hard biometrics problem, incredibly hard biometrics problem. Um, and so we would do all sorts of things around, you know, is their device closed, or have we seen them before, or I, you know, we'd always need to try to call the gallery size of reducing that. So if you're just relying on things like biometrics. Um, which is kind of the minority report, that's really hard and that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Right. That I, I don't think people want that as, as a masquerade, right? China is a different world when it comes to concerns on privacy and other types of things. I think that would be a difficult market to a difficult use case to deploy in, in many other parts of the world. Um, I think most of the time the seamlessness is going to be based right around this device, right? So is it um, a Bluetooth or is it, you know, NFC means I've got to be within an inch or two, mm-hmm. um, but Bluetooth beacon is there other kinds of wireless technology, maybe. Um, but then you've got to have Apple and Google play ball. Yeah. Right? So unless those companies are playing ball, can't do it. Right. So I, I think it is going to be a while until you see a really seamless, completely passive type of authentication. Um, But if you pull your phone out, then all things are possible. right? So then now I've got a user interface, I've got cameras, I've got NFC, I've got internet, I've got a browser, um, I've got my local biometrics, I've got all these other things that I can work with. Um, But doing that without taking your phone out of your pocket,
2: it's going to be a long time. Interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I I used to work at DraftKings and I helped run their NFT marketplace and we ran into a ton of mm-hmm. major brands, web2 companies, big corporations that wanted to get involved in web3, especially at the height mm-hmm. of it. And, and still to this day I I know it's tons of companies are still coming. But one of the biggest hangups is those companies, they wanted to build this Web3 initiative. They wanted to get the right people in place. But so that's a challenge in its own right. But then there was this extra layer of just onboarding their users uh, comfortably. And DraftKings actually did a great job with it because uh, you could still use credit card the way they had like a centralized uh, marketplace, everything was like the checks and balances through their system. But I noticed that more and more big brands were coming on and they were, they were just, I don't want to say scared off, but it was almost overwhelming for them to integrate a lot of the intricacies behind, you know, onboarding someone from crypto. So I think the product that you have is wonderful. Are there any partnerships or collaborations that you've been working on? You can give us a sneak peek. Mm-hmm.
1: No, you know, we, we are, we're going to couple, they almost live. So we've done a couple that we're really excited about. Um, I can't be, uh, I can't say the names yet, but I can describe the use cases. So it. one that we really love is a, a luxury brand that wanted to have kind of an in-store experience, right? So the idea is they they walk in, they scan a QR code, and that brings up a browser-based AR experience, right? So think uh, like 8th Wall, So, 8th Wall, uh, the same company who did uh, Pokemon Go,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So like Niantic. 812 is one of their subs. Um, really, really cool product. So basically, it starts scanning. And as you look around the store, it's looking for anchor uh, anchor object, anchor images. right? And so when it sees an anchor image, what it is, it pops up uh, like an AR object on your screen, and you just click on that object, and it automatically gets added to your wallet that's tied to your phone. You get right? your phone number. right? It's on Polygon. Um, but in that way, as soon as they click on that object, they're claiming it, it redirects them back to the luxury brand's website, And now they're token-gated with a wallet and an NFT ready to engage. Mm -hmm. They never spelled NFT. They have no idea what the underlying technology. They went from an IRL to an AR to an NFT to an e-commerce experience, Mm -hmm. right? In a really seamless way. So I love that combination of use cases where that phone ended up being the pivotal anchor between those. That's one that we really like. Um, That's getting some really good reception. Um, We have another group that's doing uh, authenticated athletic wear. Um, You know, they're supposed to be launching in the next month or two, kind of with the NFL season here in the US, um, where they have athletes who have signed jerseys, NFC, um, you know, authenticated. They come in, they tap the NFC, pops up, they have the the NFT um, that gets launched from that NFC. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they then have kind of a physical to digital kind of digital, um, you know, type of experience. Um, We have done a couple of ticketing kind of big concerts, big events. Um, We have a, a few more of those coming up where... Um, you know, it's both a ticketing, but I, where I think it's not just the ticketing; it's the artist to artist to fan engagement um, that that gets really, really interesting. For um, so those of some, you know, we're funny enough. We're getting pulled into some really interesting payment use cases, like even traditional payment. Um, we're realizing one of the cool things about using your phone um, is there are no bots, right? So we think about it, I can I can tell mm-hmm. if it's a Google Voice. Versus AT and T versus anybody else, and so we have a number of brands saying, "Hey, we've got that web three that's great, but if you can tell me there's no bots and there's no account, no possibility of account takeover, because hmm. there is no password to fish, there is no username that I can kind of steal and do anything with." Um, they think they can actually get a lower fee on their credit card payments because they have this level of uh, fraud. So they're buying online got a card not present. Right, so if i can be highly secure. There's no way there's an account takeover. This can't be fraudulent um, and we want to use it in the payment world. So we're getting pulled into some interesting payment use cases. <laughs> um, initially, they're not Web3, but those even could be think you know thinking about purchasing things in the Web3 space, which gives me even more confidence and excitement about long term. If I can get traditional FinTech <laughs> to trust what we're doing to make payments, yeah. Than thinking about crypto payments and connecting the wallets and saying, hey, people can be comfortable with what we're doing, connecting to a blockchain wallet or c- connecting to payment rail." I love it.
0: Wow. There's so much implications and and ways that you can change mm-hmm. sectors or industries. What's more, one industry that you feel needs the disruption or needs um, your service the most?
1: Um, you know, I think the... Um, I mean, there are a couple <laughs> which ones are <laughs> uh, actually, they, i see that we we love the use cases that have both a payment angle and a, uh, a web3 engagement which tends to be merchants so e-commerce think brands where they are doing a lot of e-commerce they're wanting to engage they're already digital and so they want to be able to engage from a loyalty and rewards perspective with their fans and there's any kind of kind of IRL so they they might have physical stores they do physical meetups because your phone is just this beautiful interaction kind of between between all of those. So if we can help them, you know, literally reduce their fees to credit card, awesome. Um, And by the way, as soon as they do that, they also have a Web3 wallet, they can now start engaging Mm -hmm. with NFTs, which can then kind of rewards and loyalty if they show up. Um, The idea of I can simply scan a QR code um, when I'm in person, that launches the browser, the browser we know, and the browser is attached to this device, the device is attached to this phone number, which has these wallets that are attached to it. So um, a simple scan of a QR code, you can do physical token gating without ever trying to open a wallet, find an NFT, you know, do all these things. It's just a really seamless experience. So yeah, if I were to say e-commerce brands that want to reduce payments and have NFTs for engagement and have any kind of in-person activation.
0: Ooh, you're speaking my language. Where do I invest? Because I have about <laughs> six, hard, I have six hard wallets and. I collect a lot of uh, in-person IRL um, NFTs, believe yeah. it or not. Um, a hot mm-hmm. air balloon in Napa Valley. I just utilize that this weekend. I um, Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I utilize restaurant cool. NFTs. Uh, I utilize that <laughs> in-person. And, and I have to, to your point, access a lot of different wallets for right. that. So I'm very excited about what you guys are sure. working on
1: what, One important point that not everybody kind of gets with what we're doing. We're not trying to be a wallet company. We think of ourselves as a connectivity platform, right? So the idea is your phone is this... And actually, I typically don't describe it this way. In this audience, I mean more so. It is kind of the ultimate own your own identity. Like you own your phone, you mm-hmm. own your phone number. And so it's kind of your own identity that you get to own and then project it into, I don't know which wallet is going to win and I don't really care, right? But your phone number can connect to a wallet. So kind of a, a MetaMask or a rainbow or, or phantom or, or name your wallet. Um, the way we do that is if I'm on my phone, I say, great, if you can sign a message in MetaMask, um, with your your, your dean account, then we know that you own that MetaMask and that phone over. So you say, hey, any, um, if anyone's using our API to connect to a wallet, we say, great, here's the default wallet for this user. And that happens to be MetaMask. Let's say you connect 3 or 4 or 5 or 10 wallets. If you want to scan a QR code, then our little API says, hey, do they hold an NFT in any of their connected wallets? Right. So if you're holding the phone that has been connected to these wallets, now we, can, we can't transfer wallet. We're not transferring NFTs out of your wallet. We're simply confirming that you hold the device that is connected to the phone number that is also connected to these wallets. Then you can do token gating with nothing but a really simple QR code. Awesome!
2: Wow, that's that's so impressive. It's I, I love again. I'm going to reiterate. Just you okay, make it easier for the mm-hmm. normal people yeah. to onboard to Web three, and that's what we all need in crypto, NFTs, whatever sector we want to talk. We need the user experience to be easier. Uh, what, what were some of the challenges? Yeah. You're, you're a, uh, a guru, guru entrepreneur. What were some of the challenges you had with Redeem and how did you overcome? 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 Yeah, um, I think early on, we
1: tried to build a, more of the stack than we needed to, right? So initially it was like, yeah. hey, should we be doing some of the low reward, rewards and loyalty and some of these other pieces? And as we really started to get to market, everyone was like, yeah, we, there, there's a couple of other platforms that do rewards and loyalty. Can you just let me use the, the phone number and the connectivity piece. Right? So something we had to learn initially is like, wow, if we actually reduced our scope, the surface area got bigger. right? So now, I didn't mm-hmm. have to worry about what utility was being delivered. Right? I'm just now going to focus on just the infrastructure and scaffolding around a phone, let other people build utility, let other people build the use cases. I'm just going to focus on this one really core layer um, and then let others build. So. You know, that was uh, a learning that took us, you know, six months of wasted time (laughs) that we had to uh, iterate and and work through. Um, And also just learning again, where are, where are the use cases, where are the pain points, right? So how in you know, an adage that a lot of entrepreneurs use, how do you get an aspirin, not a vitamin? So making things a little bit better, is really hard. Going to like a vitamin, right? But going to solve a really, really hard problem that is super painful. And it is a blocker from, You know, something on the other side, like that's where you need to focus. So um, I'd say, you know, really making sure we're zeroed in on um, one of those use cases. And remember, you know, nine months, a year ago, there was still a ton of just trading of pure cryptocurrencies, which we kind of wanted to be careful of just because it's so dynamic and there's so much risk in that. And um, so I think to some degree today, it's easier to focus on really pure utility, you know, more traditional Web3 based use cases. Um, But it took us a while to figure that out.
0: Gotcha. And having um, quite some, hopefully it's quite some time underneath your belt, both in experience and with Redeem, what's some of the biggest feedback you've gotten from people who've utilized them, whether it be, you know, a creator or just a community member? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, that, did it do anything? Like, literally, like, is it, is it done? Like, that is kind of, <laughs> like, yeah, it's done.
1: Um, and the <laughs> the level of the simplicity of once they're onboarded, um, to also keep in mind, You know, just like you only sign up for a Google account once and then you can log in with Google everywhere you want. Mm -hmm. You only onboard with Redeem once. Every new account that you connect to it, you don't re-authenticate, right? I I still have my phone. I still have this binding. And so it's literally one click onboarding into every new application you want to bring on. And people are like, wait, that's too simple, right? No, I mean, there's a lot of complexity behind the scenes and a lot of things that we do to make it feel simple. Um, So yeah, it's kind of a little bit of like, Wait, is it really that easy? And, and and if it's that easy, can it be secure? Right. So it's kind of the funny because uh, we have a mental paradigm of really good security means really bad user experience, and I think we've kind of threaded the needle to get both of those.
2: Yeah, using phone numbers as a link to the digital world uh, seems obvious, especially just talking with you and what you what you're building. It just seems like. Why aren't we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you no, know, for the first few
1: months, I kept asking myself, okay, guys, this seems pretty obvious. Why hasn't someone done it? Who's done it? Where have they done it? Have they failed? Why did they fail? And just, nobody's done it. Nobody's done it. I was like, I guess maybe I should just go do it. It really was kind of a, honestly, it reminded me of my early iVerify days where I'm like, can I just use the selfie camera to like do biometrics to log in? And everyone was like, No, surely someone's done that. Or if that was such a good idea, Apple and Google had already done it. So I do think I was early enough with this particular concept that we've got a head start. We've kind of built it. It's I mean, literally, it's 10 minutes to get started. So if your framework knows how to use OAuth, which is social login, Mm -hmm. like login, Apple, Google, Facebook, any of those, you can literally drop ours in and five minutes be up and running.
2: It's amazing. It's honestly it's amazing just like the simplicity of it kind of excites me. Just I've onboarded enough people into web3 where mm-hmm. it's uh, I get I'm up at all night answering phone calls, trying to help them with metamask, trying to help them with their hardware wallets, all, all of that, all the good <laughs> stuff, answering questions that yeah. I didn't even know existed. So I feel like my knowledge is at all time <laughs> high because I'm I've handled, you know, hundreds of family members and uh, friends' it, problems. But uh, I, any way that we can create the ease of use of onboarding, um, I, I'm buying in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, So yeah, it's one thing to do dozens and hundreds, try millions.
1: Right? <laughs> so we, we just can't handhold millions. Um, and so I think we've, we've all, as an industry, we've come a long ways. Um, I think we're, we're doing much better. We got to keep doing better, but we're getting there.
0: Gotcha. And the answer might, this might, might, might be obvious because it's so simple, but what's in the future of redeem? Is it as simple as just continue down the path? Uh, Has the mission changed at all this last year? Um,
1: Yeah, I'd say again, the payments thing has been a bit surprising for me.
0: Um, I had
1: not expected the payment angle. Um, So I think a, it it has helped refine our focus. Um, So I think it is um, probably again, this is kind of funny, but It's actually making it easier for really big companies who already have things like Okta and Auth0 and Ping, these are really big, big enterprise, uh, identity access management, right? So if you're at a big company, like I guarantee you have one of these really, or Microsoft, um, big identity access management. So being able to simply plug into those. So as their consumers are now wanting to access Web3, they have a very familiar established infrastructure to work with those. Um, you know, so again, you know getting a you know getting the innovation lab to go do some side project okay that's okay but if you really want to scale you got to fit into the enterprises uh, infrastructure right so um, kind of the the, the next uh, quarter or two for us is starting to really onboard the uh, again the name of off zero and Microsoft and ping and some of these others on a platform perspective to make it easier for enterprises to, to plug in and roll out
0: yeah it's definitely important back in my web 2 uh, life there was massive integrations with with the likes that you're talking about with mm-hmm. Okta and all these backends that once you get that solved, you're really going to make it a lot easier to onboard a lot of people because yep. they're going to have access to, you know, the repositories that of, of, of customers that these big companies have built. So definitely look forward to that and uh, definitely look forward to doing a visual demonstration for those who are listening right now on a podcast in the future. So we would love to have you back uh, to share that with us. And I I imagine, hopefully not so much so, that Redeem is going to change in in six weeks because, (laughs) you know, Web3, crypto NFTs, what happens now in six weeks is like, oh, here's a brand new topic, but I don't really see that happening for Redeem because, you know, based off phone numbers, something that we learned to build. Yeah, with monoliths built around it like Google and Apple, like you said. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to the, the next iterations.
1: Cool. yeah, as am I. And I'd love to come back and, uh, and, and do some visual demos as yeah. well.
2: Joe and I want to see it. We're very interested. I'm, I can't wait to tell people I figured it out. Crack the code, make it <laughs> be easier. I met a guy named Toby. Duh, that's awesome. Great, Yeah, I bring it I on. Feel like,
0: yeah, I feel like I'm gonna utilize your service unknowingly through a big company. I'm like, wait a, wait a minute, we, <laughs> wait we interviewed Toby. We know this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah what I hope we, you're right. Yeah, I think I think so. So uh, we're going to put all the links on where to find redeem and yourself down below on our our show notes. And uh, I encourage anyone out there to reach out to you guys uh, with any questions at all. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Toby. Thanks for being on,
1: Toby.